Thanks for joining us on the Bridges Across Every Divide podcast. As a special treat, there is a hidden secret teaser in each and every title of every podcast and try to guess what it is. In today's installment titled, Oh Good, for a moment there, I thought the Republic was in trouble. We're going to be talking about more of the political implications of uh, that we see in the book here. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really curious to know, uh, when, when you look at the complexity of this world that most of us don't see, you know, your years in the legislator and legislative body, the House in, in Ohio, and working for think tanks and being a talking head on the television shows. Uh, what is it that people in Bridges communities and our communities need to know, you know, to come at the, these issues of poverty and policy in a successful and healthy way? But first of all, thank you very much for those kind words. But you got to remember at all points in time, if I really knew what I was talking about, you'd be addressing me as governor. And <laughs> since you're not, obviously, there's <laughs> gaps in my knowledge somewhere. All right. But I think when you look at all this, I think the thing that for the um, um, citizen out there looking to take their Bridges community up to the next level or looking to get involved in this is – what the when the founding fathers set this country up, they set it up so that each congressional seat was thirty five thousand in population. In fact, George Washington really wanted it to be permanently capped at thirty thousand. Um, I also remember for the first forty years of the republic, only roughly two percent of the population ever voted. You had to be in all the states, a white male who owned property, property taxes paid in full. And in many states in the South, you had to belong to the right religion, too. And what that led to was only 700 people voted in, in any general election then for Congress. Uh, now we're at 700,000 people. And what that has led to is that people do a first-order approximation, and they go, well, wait a minute. My vote's really not that meaningful for, for a congressional seat. So voter turnout declines. And as George Will, um, the pundit, puts it, um, people spend no more time determining who they're going to vote for than they would for ordering a cup of coffee. And you see that same phenomenon play itself out. Now, we are definitely not calling for 9,000 members of Congress. Okay, um, and we're absolutely about enfranchising everybody who wants to vote in this country. And by the way, there's a curious side effect of people who go through the Getting Ahead program is that they suddenly go, uh, wait a minute here. I feel like I'm in control of my life. I think I think I'd like to vote. I, how do you register to vote? And they will, we don't have, we have lots of anecdotal examples of, you know, people becoming Democrats or becoming Republicans. I can give you both. We don't have any hardcore data on it. But what we have found is that when they achieve their own form of agency, you know, they now become active. And what the book lays out for you is in my usual excruciating repetitive detail, Phil's laughing here. Um, is how to go ahead and affect public policy and do so in a manner that if you don't have a pack, um, you know, you can still go ahead and move the needle. And um, we, we talk about, for example, um, about how to testify, 
how to build relationships. We talk about a briefing book, which yes. is very critical for getting your message across to elected officials and the wannabes. And um, um, you, if, if you want to have more aid and assistance on that, feel free to contact Phil or myself through AHA process. But what, it, what that comes down to is that every elected official has to give lots of speeches. Now, those that they give before their own loyal followers of their own political party at a central or executive committee meeting, that's just red meat they're throwing out there for the party loyal. But when they go before the Rotary Club, they are sweating bullets because these are the people who are informed. These are the gatekeepers to other voters in the community. And they don't want to hear just platitudes and pablum. They want to hear public policy in detail. And and while we're thinking about that, uh, just mention something about the AIDS. Oh, my gosh, yes. All right. Um, first of all, when you call up any you know, legislator, city council person, county commissioner, you may be talking to somebody who sounds like they're all of 12 years of age. Uh, please remember that at some point in time, somebody also thought that you were that old when you were first getting going in policy. Though I will tell you that the shoes I am wearing now are older than most of the aides serving in the, in, in the, in, in the Ohio State House. And, um, you, you want to treat them with respect for several reasons why. A, you always treat people with respect. But two, you never know where they're going to finally fetch up. And uh, Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, Paul Ryan, started off as a lowly staffer for um, uh, Kemp um, when he was at, over at HUD. So you really want to, at all points in time, treat everybody with respect. You don't know if they're going where they're going to end up on the food chain, um, and you that's and you always remember that you are plankton that's eaten on the food chain, and so you treat everybody with respect, moving up and down it. And uh, the staff are like the they are like in the middle of the spider's web, and it's their job to filter what goes what is said to their elected official boss, and um, and the words of Dominic Peretta who had these wonderful phrases, he says, always use your inside voice when advocating. Never use your outside voice. And um, uh, it's, it's, it's a remarkable thing. And you, after you interact with these young staff, you just walk away going, the future, the republic's in good hands. Yeah, you really do get that. I, it, the Healthier Buckeye Council, well, there must have been three aides, I think, that played a major role. Yes. Tim Derrickson's aide, mm -hmm. uh, Bree. Yes. Uh, Albanese. Yes. Uh, yes. Chris. Yeah. Was he with the Speaker of the House? He was the Speaker of the House. And then Amstutz. Uh, Meredith. Meredith. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they, they read this stuff. They knew it. And they helped form the language for the Healthier Buckeye Council legislation. Yeah. And one of the other things we discuss also in the book, too, is you're thinking, well, okay, do I do this or do I hire a lobbyist? And we also go into detail of how to recognize, do you need to hire a lobbyist or can you simply do it on your own? Uh, if you were to uh, give everybody on your staff, all your board members, everybody you encounter a copy of this book, 
and you tell them, here's the recipe. I mean, this is like baking a cake, folks. We're giving you a recipe book on how to pass public policy, okay? If you can read a recipe, you can pass public policy in your state, your county, and your city. And this is very important to do because of the issue of, um, of you know, civic capacity. We need to increase the civic capacity. And I need now to pause and talk a little bit about the Curley effect. Okay. And this is not about the Three Stooges with Larry Curley and Moe. This is about uh, Mayor Curley of uh, Boston. And I have to give full credit here to um, um, prof- two professors from Harvard who came up with and. The, the formula here is like seven pages of higher math calculus here for this. But um, uh, what Curley did, Mayor Curley did, was he created an environment that was hospitable only to the people who would vote for him and purposely drove out of Boston all those who would ever oppose him. And in doing so, he created that proper environment. Now, keep this in mind that as you're dealing with elected officials, subconsciously, this is going through their head. And here's another data point that you always want to remember. They did this analysis a few years ago. They looked at 614 um, uh, elected officials in Great Britain, um, United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Um, and they looked at their careers. Of the 614, four of them left office on their own time in their own manner. The rest of them were defeated, driven from office, scandal, died in office, one of those other things. Why anybody would ever want to run for a political office, I have no idea. But uh, the uh, American Association Recovering Politicians meets on alternate Tuesday <laughs> nights in the basement of any Methodist church. Please stop by. Okay. So, uh. <laughs> but there are a lot of ways, though, you can affect policy. And I think the most effective thing to do so is with breakfast because it doesn't cost a whole lot. And simply ask your elected official to come meet with you for breakfast and take with you two other people. Yeah. And have them sit, have the elected official sit on the inside of the booth. Okay, do not sit at a table, you sit at a booth. The reason you sit at a booth is so that when somebody else comes walking by and that elected official knows that person, they can't jump up and start shaking their hand because you have paid for those pancakes. <laughs> and you want to do it at a place that serves breakfast because that's populated by the ordinary people. Whereas I say in Ohio, Bobby and Betty Buckeye. Okay. And you want them to be reminded about all the Bobby and Betty Buckeyes or the Harry and Harriet Hoosers that are out there, okay? And you want to be reminded of that, that the world is a lot more ordinary people out there than there are the ruling elite at the club. And you want them to go there and you go, wow, and be reminded that. And it'll cost you $11.85, Okay. But it's well worth it, and that's how you begin to build relationships is through that type of a structure. Yeah. So, and so when you were going through the halls of the state house, what was probably the most surprising thing for you, Phil, as you were dealing with legislators? And you know, they were open to you, and yeah, they, yeah, they wanted to hear that, from you. That was a mystery to me, you know, and uh, that they would, and. Uh, I think uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact uh, you were able to make the introduction so people were receptive. And then 
uh, I was just amazed that, you know, we'd sit down around the table. The Speaker of the House was there uh, one of the, early on. And I, I, I will say this, that you're not going to have much time. Right. You know, so it has to be done. I think that's the value of the briefing book. That's the value of working. I spent, we spent more time with the aides. Yes. Right. During this, the, the formation of the Healthier Buckeye Council, uh, you know, language. But um, so I, I think it comes down to having someone to give you advice. And I think that's the kind of thing that you've done in our book. So I think it's going to be a study guide for people that want to uh, learn how to pass legislation. Now, you're bringing up a whole series of things. Like we in the book, we've given everybody, if, if you will, a series of recipes yeah. for how to achieve public policy. But one of, the, one of the things that you've done to make the recipe clear for folks, so to speak, is a decision tree. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit about that decision yeah, sure. tree? <laughs> well, uh, I can give you an example, right? Um, if you... If you have a transportation problem and and the individual is facing it, the first thing on the decision tree is what can the individual do? So they can walk, they can uh, leave home early and you know make sure they catch a bus and not sure that they're going to hit all the buses just right because they don't run evenly. They can get a bicycle, they can uh, hitch rides with people, uh, and they can get to work and they can be responsible. But that one solution to a transportation problem is not going to solve anyone else's problem. It's one guy who managed to do it. So if it doesn't serve more than one person, you move on to the next level. And so uh, what they did at Cascade Engineering was they wanted to help solve this problem. So uh, one thing they did was give everybody in the plant a free cab voucher that they carried in their purse or wallet. So if something happened to your car or if something happened, somebody was sick and you needed to get to work, you used that, that voucher and you got to work. They also, um, well, so that's an institutional solution, right? Yes. But there might still be more problems. So they, if, if you haven't covered it all, then you go to the community. And in Cascade Engineering, they went to the community and said, look, your bus system brings people to the last street in Grand Rapids, 35th Street, does not come to 36th Street where there are factories. If you would just drive your bus down our street, you could be bringing a whole lot of people to work too. So you just ask yourself, does this solve it totally for everybody at the institutional level? No. Uh, that's just one factory that got something done. Then you move up to the community and you've you've really made a much bigger impact on the problem for a whole lot more people. So basically, so, it's ask and you shall receive. Well, it, yeah, it's it's don't stop with the first solution and think by one individual solved it that that's the final solution. So let me ask you this question. So if so, as we're coming up now to the close of of these of these podcasts, yeah. And so I'll put it into three different categories here. One. You are a already existing. You, you, you like me. You've, you've had the. You've had. You've, 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 you've heard the bridges out of poverty and the getting no. ahead methodology, and it just completely resonates and it begins to impact how you view almost all other aspects of public policy. Okay, um, what do you do then? 
to go ahead and move forward with some of the ideals and ideas brought forward in, in the Bridges Across Every Divide book? Well, I, I think the first thing is to, well, it, you have to find other people that are attracted to it, that are using it too in your community and form a collaborative. How would you do that? Well, uh, it's just a matter of picking up the phone and, you know, knowing who's in your community and finding out from aha who else has been trained in your community. Okay. So we know where we've been doing training and who's who's buying our books, right? Okay. So we can help you. So you don't and, do this in a, in other words, you're saying don't, don't try do, to do this in a vacuum. No, and reach out. Yeah. You know, to us, and then we'll introduce you to the learning communities that are doing yeah. it and people in your own community. Yeah. And that's one of the most exciting things, just learning from other people, and then you innovate. Then the next one would be then for, um, uh, uh, so for existing Bridges communities, yeah. what mm-hmm. advice would you have them to do to take their current structure up yep. the next level, a la Tocqueville meetings, yep. things of that nature? I, I think that... Uh, I think when the Bridges communities see, see this book, I'm going to be really interested as to what their thoughts are. You know, what they, uh, those, the, the people that we interviewed, you know, are ready. You know, they can see the value of getting good at policy. And I think if you're a novice group and you've only added two or three years, just make this part of your future story and realize that you're not done until you've, you've actually had an impact at a higher and higher level. And that means policy change. Yeah. The third group is my people, yeah. the elected officials. Yeah. And I think that for that group, that is the elected officials, that's the city managers, county administrators, township administrators, depends yeah. upon your local regional structure. It, it's your local... Um, whoever at your state, however you define who's running the welfare shop for that county or city, however you're organized, they need to be, A, get a hold of the books, read the books that relate to their particular subset, but start off with Bridges Across Every Divide because they need to know how this is impacting across the political spectrum and begin to go ahead and begin to heal some of the political divisions. Right. I mean, let's face it. You and I have had a wonderful time doing this book. I am a conservative Republican, and you are much more progressive than I, than, than I am. Mm-hmm. And um, yet we've managed to work together collaboratively. Yep. And by golly, folks, if you can get a, a hard-headed German kraut like me to cooperate, you know, you could, this, this thing will, this thing can work, you know. Well, you know, this is what we found out when we interviewed, you know, in, in those communities that are doing this already, it exists. Mm -hmm. We're talking, we're, this is not theory we're talking about. We're just describing what has been happening on the ground in Bridges communities and saying, this is inspiring. And we think that if you are a legislator Find out if anyone is using bridges in your community and get to know them, right? And if you want to work on po- uh, poverty in a, in a constructive way, this is something that is uh, is going to be helpful to you and your whole community. So. And it will be helpful to you in your long term of your in your office because it begins to fix yep. these problems we see and frees up. Then, frankly, money you can then spend on things that gets you more acclaim and a higher higher likelihood of being reelected, whether it yep. is new roads or tax cuts 
or more funding for schools or more higher education buildings, whatever it is you're looking for, whatever you think is your key. So, well, we could chat longer, but we are having an old friend for dinner, by the way. And did any of you figure out the hidden teaser in each question? Is the closing line mostly somewhat, a little bit, changed a little bit, from a famous movie hidden in each? When you read the book Bridges Across Every Divide, you will see that perhaps that despite the 217 footnotes and at 207 pages, we quote the Three Stooges as well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, It is a serious book that should educate and inspire you. And frankly, if you do not tear up a little bit at the very last chapter, I think that we have failed. Okay, It is an easy and fun read. Thank you very much for tuning in the podcast. Uh, To order the book, go to uh, ahaprocess.com. And uh, you can also find it on Amazon. And if you'd like to have Phil and I come into your community, crack jokes, entertain you. Um, but also get uh, your uh, help get your three groups inspired to go ahead and move down this path. Because frankly, if we don't do it, no one else is going to. And if everyone does a little, no one has to do a lot. Thank you very much for listening.